Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Yeah. Hey, dude. You don't sound Ew. like Buffalo Bill this week. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. He's my all-time favorite film character. <laughs> uh, I must apologize. The sound last week, I was trying a new technical setup, and uh, it didn't really work out. The sound from Doug did not was not good. It puts the podcast in the basket. It puts the podcast on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. Precious, precious <laughs> podcast. So we're back to the old, less technolo- technologically interesting version, but sounds it a little works. better. It, it works. works, dude. It works. You sound great to me, dude. You Thanks, dude. Appreciate that. Well, well, we actually heard from some people, so we know that uh, there's proof of life in the podcast sphere, and uh, people are actually still listening. And, dude, I know for me personally, like I, I've been listening to podcasts that have absolutely nothing to do with uh, the state of affairs in the world and everything to do with entertainment, just trying to get my mind off of what's happening and more into uh, something that brings me joy. I'm all about finding ways to bring me joy. Like, I had joy having a happy hour with you on Friday night and your wife. That was a beautiful moment. It really was fun. I'm, You know, it's an interesting thing about uh, this whole situation where people are sequestered or quarantined in their homes and unable to go out and do things. I'm honestly finding a lot more time to talk to people I don't get to talk to very much. You know, it's great. You and I have had a couple of video chats. I've you know, called some other friends. I'm having video chats with family members and things like that. So not that this is a good situation by any means, but there is a bit of a silver lining. And I'm, I'm glad that people are finding, you know, some, some interest in the podcast, even though there's not a lot of hockey to talk about. And I, I hope our listeners can, you know, connect with their friends and family the way we are, because frankly, you know, that's, it's really kind of a bright spot in sort of a weird situation. And I'm, I'm really happy for it. I mean, this is a, a gr- honestly, there's been no better time to be around than all the internet stuff and the ability to do video chat and phone calls and all this stuff. It's just, you know, take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Yeah, our pa- podcast during the Spanish flu would have been really brutal. Yeah, it would have been nasty. We would have had to like do telegrams, pigeons. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what we would have done? Oh man! Oh man! So well, anyway, dude, where where do we start today? Well, dude, I know we talked last week that we were going to talk about Doug Wilson, and we wanted we asked for input from listeners on what they think about Doug Wilson, and and we should really, I think we should talk a little bit about this week about you know, given how some of these moves seem to have turned out in the last year to eighteen months, is is he still the right person to be? helming the direction of this franchise and and we've gotten some some emails we got an email from mike to mike and tahoe um i think there was uh some other let's see patty um uh, patrick uh sent us an email um so let, let's start with patrick dude in terms of doug wilson because we might as well jump right into this because there's really although we should talk about logan couture book club book club uh we can talk about that a little bit later on but uh first of all uh, Patrick asks, what do you think is more likely, Doug 
Wilson, I think he means, not you, uh, has a loyalty to the point of blindness with this group of players, or he believes that he will not be allowed to oversee a full rebuild and so must try to remain competitive and rebuild on the fly. If not the former or latter, I can't understand this kicking the can down the road with this roster. Interesting idea. What do you think? Ooh, dude, that's, I mean, that's tough. Um, um, I don't know that Doug Wilson has never, ever been interested in doing a full rebuild. And I do think that he does believe, or at least he did at the beginning of this year, believe in this roster that he intentionally constructed. Like, I mean, he made, this wasn't a, you know, an accident, you know, these, these moves were made on purpose. And uh, he made some really tough decisions. Um, so I don't think that he doesn't believe that he wouldn't be around to see through a rebuild because I don't think he has any intention of doing a full rebuild. So unfortunately, I think the answer is somewhere in between. Like, I don't I don't think Doug Wilson is operating as if he's afraid of losing his job, you know, Um and I do think he's committed to making this team competitive again, much like when when we, you know, missed the playoffs the last year time. Or no, I'm sorry, we we made it, but you know, uh, had uh, some roster turnover in that year. You know, this is the Rafi Torres, Doug Douglas Murray, Ryan Klo year, right? Yep. Um, that team refreshed. He called it a refresh, I believe. And I think that that's what he's going to be trying to do with this team. Um, do I think he has a blind spot for some some players? I don't know yet because I, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next six months or if they're even going to have the ability to do anything, right, uh, uh, of note. Dude, what do you think? It's It's a good question, honestly. And I'm not so sure that I agree with the second premise of the question, which is that he would not be allowed to oversee a full rebuild. I, I think that of all the GMs in the National Hockey League, Doug Wilson might have the most confidence of the owner of any general manager. I think if he could justify or had a clear plan, I think Hasso Plotner would probably let him execute it. But I, I agree with you. He's not interested in a rebuild. I don't think... I think he would be allowed to oversee a rebuild if that's what he chose to do. I think for whatever reason, and he probably has a lot more data and study and background on this issue than we do, that maybe he just doesn't believe in that model of running a team. There have been teams in the past, certainly you can point to the Chicago Blackhawks team that won three cups where they just were terrible for multiple years, got those high draft picks, and then they went on to win a cup because they got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and some good defensemen and all this kind of stuff. And then the cups came rolling in. The other thing is you could easily point to a counterexample. You could point to the Edmonton Oilers who have had four number one picks in the last decade. And they're still not very good. Um, you know, this year, New not Jersey, with- New Jersey, New yeah. Jersey in recent, you know, it's too, the jury's still out, but they certainly didn't get the results this year. Right. And so I think that, honestly, I think maybe listeners and other fans of the game overvalue this dumping for a high draft pick strategy. Maybe it works in the NBA. You can talk to that. 
But in in hockey, I don't. I think there's very mixed results with that plan. I, I you know you can point to Pittsburgh because they got Crosby and Flurry and Malkin, and you can point to Chicago. But there's some counterexamples here, and there's a real downside to being terrible, which is you alienate the fan base. You get pe- you get people not talking about your team because you're so bad. Um, you know, if you're in San Jose, which is not a traditional hockey market, maybe you start souring players and others perceptions of that of that place to play and to work. Um, and certainly it seems like Doug Wilson has been very careful in trying to cultivate San Jose as a place where players want to come, where coaches want to come. And I think you don't want to ruin that by just being bad, by being bad for years in a row and hoping that even if you can draft generational talents like Connor McDavid, it may still not work out. So I think he honestly believes that this refresh or whatever euphemism you want to use uh, will work, is that you never actually go full terrible. You never actually go full Houston Astros that they did a few years ago. And and you just try to try to just get another good player and just deal with what you have and still try to be good year after year. Um, I, I, th- I think that that's his sort of overall philosophy of franchise building. You know, and I don't feel qualified to honestly evaluate if that's a terrible, ill-advised strategy because I think it's worked. It's worked up till now. Yeah, um, this year was the big, the big rotten egg. You know, where they sacrificed roster depth for star power, and it really, it really bit them bad, and they were never able to recover from it. And then when people started going down with injuries, it just got worse and worse and worse. I mean, the injury part, you can't help. Um, But the lack of roster depth, that is, you know, and he's not stupid. I mean, he knows that that was a massive issue this year. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with reconstructing this team when he has the ability to do so. Uh, But, you know, reading these emails, you know, um, and thinking about it this week, it just made me more confident than ever that Doug Wilson is going to be the general manager of this team next season. And, and he probably deserves to be, you know what I mean? Just based on his track record, we've been pretty spoiled here. And do I think he maybe made some bad moves in the last 18 months that initially we thought were good moves? Yeah. Yeah. Um, how's he going to get out of it? I don't know. He found a way to get out of some of these before. So I think we got to give him a chance. He's earned that. And and so the second question is from Patrick, do you think without the benefit of hindsight that some of the more onerous contracts on the team could have been avoided? If you think they could not have been avo- avoided, do you still assign blame to Wilson for putting himself in that position or not coming up with more sustainable roster solutions? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the two players that for me are circled here right now are the two new guys. It's Eric Carlson and Evander Kane that I think you can look at and go, were these big mistakes to commit big money to two guys who are not part of the Sharks culture? And is their presence part of the reason why this has not gone well? I don't have the answer and that could be completely unfair, but You know, I do think there has to be a noted correlation here between these two guys coming in and taking gobbling up a large part of the cap and 
not being part of what has been a long-standing, very, you know, consistently good locker room and roster. Um, dude. Yeah, I th- I think that I I'm, I wouldn't necessarily point directly to Kane and Carlson because honestly, I think Kane has been a pretty good performer, and Carlson is almost too soon. I mean, the, you know, the injuries are are just bad luck, and it's hard to blame a general manager for that. But I I think the overall strategy. So if we look at the number of players that do have big money long term contracts, I think that is blameable. <laughs> I think when you look at Vlasic and Burns and Couture and Kane and Carlson, I think you can make a good point. And I think I would make the point that you should not have that many long-term deals. It, yeah. it puts you in a terrible position to to move around. You have to think that maybe it's certainly possible, if not likely, that one or more of those contracts is not going to work out. Can you point to the number of eight-year deals in the National Hockey League history that have worked out perfectly and wonderfully for the team? I can point to 10 contracts that have worked out terribly for the team. Sure. I think that it's the cost of winning, right? And I think that you're seeing this on display in LA. You're seeing this on display in Chicago right now. They paid for the cups that they won. Right. And now they're paying the price because they are are committed to these players that are no longer playing on good teams that were good and essential to cup runs when they were championship level teams. And now they're getting paid for the work that they did previously. Right. And I think that these were investments that Doug Wilson made because he believed and I think rightfully so. The the cup window was there. It was open. It was open last year. Like, you know, I mean, the, you know, last season, they could have very well been in the Stanley Cup finals. They were two wins away from being in the Stanley Cup finals. And if they hadn't been decimated by injury, they might have very well made it. Right. So, um, you, you know, committing long term contracts. You know, this is what happened to the San Francisco Giants. They're still paying the price. They made long-term commitments to these players that won them World Series championships, and they won the championships within the window. Now, it looks bad when you don't win the championships. Sure does. The Sharks Sharks won the Cup last year. None of us would be talking about this because we would just be so happy that they won the Cup. Then, of course, yeah, these guys all get their money, and then we endure whatever we endure, right? But unfortunately, he made the financial commitments, he made the contract length commitments, and the Cup hasn't come. So he gambled on that, and right now that hasn't paid off. And um, you know that's the risk you take, I suppose. I, I think that's true. Uh, you know, it's it's a really it's a difficult situation to be a GM because you have to, if you don't put yourself in a position to wager anything, then the team isn't going to be any good. <laughs> that's right. just the way it is. If it was that easy, then you would have a lot of teams that would just do nothing and then be great, and that just doesn't really happen. Um, you know, going to going to uh, Mike and Tahoe's email, he says distrust occurs when you look at a GM's track record over time and you see a series of decisions that have harmed the franchise and likely its future. Um, and the fans want dis- fans want retribution. I think is what Mike is what one of Mike's points is, and I think that's true. And I I'm not sure that's really a valid way of no, evaluating think, a general actually, manager is to punish him yeah. for. For taking a risk and having it not work out, because I think every GM has taken a risk and have it not worked out. Is it over the line where he should be fired? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, it's a personal decision. Obviously, I think the the owner is already weighed in on that answer, and the answer is no. It's it's not over that line. But 
I think different fans have different criteria for what makes a good GM. I mean, would you rather him just let Eric Carlson walk and we'd have Chris Tierney and be a second tier team? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's even true. See, but the, but the thing that we don't know is we don't know that we would be a second tier team with Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, Joe Pavelski, Jonas Donskoy, and Justin Braun. Like, I, I don't know that that would be the case. Like, I, I don't know. Or if those players would have been turned into something else, I don't know. You know, like, um, we are where we are, right? The moves were made. I think that it's more than just the Carlson deal. I think the other thing that is incredibly troubling, and that we've talked about it, is the Sharks' inability to draft effectively. Like, they, their farm system is so barren right now with good NHL quality prospects that there's no help coming right now. There's no help coming. Um, no legitimate help that you can circle and say, I mean, that might be more troubling than the Eric Carlson move that you, you know, in, in the moment we applauded. And now when he's underperformed this year and has been injured, we're questioning, but, I mean, in the moment, that price was like, well, fresh, you know, sure, right? A third-line center, a number six defenseman, and future picks for a chance to win a cup. Yeah, and it almost worked. It almost worked last year, right? Yeah. But the fact that the Sharks don't have drafted so poorly, you know, that that's that's troubling. And I don't know, I don't know that we see a solution for that right now. Yeah. It's a good point. And, and the other thing about getting rid of a general manager is you need to buy into the vision that the general manager has. And if you're the owner and you say, okay, this idea that you never rebuild, this is a dumb idea. I want a general manager that believes that you can rebuild from the ground up and go get a, fir- a number one or number two draft choice and then be great and be Chicago and somehow avoid being being the Oilers or avoid being Buffalo or avoid being the New Jersey Devils. Um, and you you believe in the philosophy. I, I feel like Doug Doug Wilson's philosophy is pretty sta- is pretty well uh, elaborated at this point. I think everybody kind of understands what it is. I think the moves he's doing is is consistent with that. I understand if you want a different philosophy. I'm not I'm not at all certain it's the wrong one, you know, especially when you're dealing with a competitive entertainment market like the Bay Area. Sure. If you're Buffalo and you have to deal with the Bills, who cares? Right? You're like, okay. Bills aren't bad. Bills Bills won a playoff game. Oh no, <laughs> actually they lost that playoff game. But, uh, <laughs> Couldn't they, tell you. They were they were almost about to win a playoff game this year. But you're absolutely right. The the Sharks have been fourth fiddle, you know, in the Bay Area market. You know, for the majority of our lifetime, even when the Warriors were bad, you know, the the Sharks were were behind them. And now the Warriors are bad, but not for long. They'll be back when their injury problems go back and they, they will likely have a top three pick in the NBA draft. 49ers just went to the Super Bowl and the Giants have won three World Series in the last 10 years. So, you know, you know the Sharks can't afford to be bad. You're absolutely right. They can't. Um, and it's in their best interest to try and be competitive again. But how can the Sharks do that when they don't have any notable young talent coming in to fill out the roster and they put, they did not put an emphasis on adding veteran role players this year and it really, really backfired. It did. Will he change his strategy? 
Will he change? The, the question is, will he change? Maybe not change his overall philosophy, but will he change? Try to gather in, more depth yes, players in order to make the roster building, more even. In, that's right. In building and trying to build a competitive roster in 2021, how will he do that? Because this year, he thought it would be the players in the system that would fill it out, and they were clearly not ready. Yeah. It's it's true. And and the drafting thing, I think I think you're right. I think the best possible argument for saying Doug Wilson, you know, should not be the GM of this team, honestly, the best argument is that he has been unable to make the most of his draft picks. And his draft picks have not been very good ones. I think the Timo Meyer pick is looking pretty good. That's the highest pick the Sharks have had in a long time. Probably the highest pick the Sharks have had since Devin Setaguchi. Yeah. I don't know if we want to go and rehash that right now. Maybe a future Couture, week. Couture. We can, don't forget Couture. We can go and look at... Seto was a number eight. Timo was number nine. Couture number nine. Um, I mean, the Sharks have not had a top five pick since the late 90s. I mean, they have not had a top five pick in over 20 years. So... But there yeah, have been the a lot of late round, round. second round picks. Like you look, you go back and you look at these second round picks, you know, um, Nick Patrecki, you know, and uh, Taylor Doherty. Uh, these guys aren't even in, they're not even in, I don't even think they're playing in the AHL. Like these guys, like we were so excited about those two players. Uh, you know, uh, the description of them was incredible. Mm-hmm. They couldn't play. They couldn't do it two wasted second round picks high seconds that you're like what is happening here and you know dylan gambrell is starting to look like he might be in that category too you know he he has been you know for someone who i had high hopes unable to grab a roster spot in a year where the opportunity was there yeah and couldn't do it he couldn't do it you're right and, it, and I'm I'm actually pulling up the the 2015 the entry draft, um, you know this is where uh, this is might be the first. Uh, let's see, that puts Timo Meyer at 23 years old. This might be the most recent draft that we can honestly evaluate because once you get to 22 and 21 year olds, there's still some time for these guys to develop. But sure. let, let's talk about the eight guys that were taken ahead of Timo Meyer: McDavid, right. Eichel. Dylan Strome, Mitch Marner, Noah Hannafin, Pavel Zaka, Provorov, and Wierenski. That's a pretty good set of players. That's a yeah, pretty good set of Timo players. Meyer, Timo Meyer is not a bad player. He had a disappointing year. Right. But and he still had 50-something points. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying that that's a pretty good draft pick. I think that's a very good draft pick at the number nine. Certainly, would we have traded with Colorado with hindsight and taken Miko Randon instead? I think we would have done that, okay? You know, I, I think I'd rather have Miko Randon right now than Timo Meyer, but that doesn't mean Timo Meyer is a bad pick. You can always cherry pick some later pick that looks great. That You know, Kyle Connor, uh, Thomas Chabot of the Ottawa Senators. But there's plenty of these guys in the first round that have barely even played in the NHL at all. The Boston Bruins pick, for instance, the uh, Boston Bruins got, they had three picks in a row and only one of those guys, Jake DeBrusque has played any meaningful time in the NHL. There's plenty of other guys who have played like less than a handful of games who are first round draft picks. Honestly, the team of my draft pick is a good draft pick. Uh, that's a totally yeah. defensible draft pick. There's nothing sure. wrong with that. 
I wish we did better with the number 31 overall, Jeremy Roy, but you know, he had an injury. I mean, I don't know what to do about that. It's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a difficult situation every year, but I think they've done okay with their top 10 picks, Setaguchi, Couture, Timo Meyer, all NHL players. Okay. All decent NHL players. Um, When you're talking about the 20 to 30 overall range, eh, not so good. But by the same token, if we look at, say, just the 2015 pick, uh, you know, the 2015 draft, for instance, um, there's one, two, three, four, five of the 10 picks in that range have played two games or less in the NHL. Half, 50% have played less than five games in the NHL. So this is not exactly, you know, rich mining for top tier NHL players. It's just, it's a crapshoot. Once you get out of the top five, it's a crapshoot in the NHL draft and it sucks. And you'd like to think that you're just going to automatically draft some great player every time, but you are not. And some of these guys I have like literally never heard of. And sure. some of these guys, he, like I go that he went that high in the draft. He's not very yeah, good. But, but the Barracudas roster is the evidence that overall they have not done well overall. It has not been successful that some of their best players over the last few years in the Barracuda have been AHL professional AHL players yes. like not young up and coming players professional AHL guys who that is sort of their ceiling right they're AHL guys right the John McCarthy's of the world right those have been their best players and they haven't had a guy graduate into the NHL and who's just sort of burst on the scene right as a star I can't think of an example so you know, that's the troubling part to me, dude, is that, you know, as, and, and, you know, and the Sharks have been incredibly successful at times. And I think they've sort of that this magic has kind of run out where they were signing guys overseas. You know, they were bringing over Donskoy, Melker Carlson, Sorensen to a point, you know, and now, you know, the Ante Suomela, you know, I had real high hopes for him. That has not worked out. And, you know, that magic may have kind of run out a little bit of, you know, maybe not being as worried about having some of these draft picks make it a impact initially on the roster when you could bring in these, you know, European free agents. They had some luck with that. They haven't had that necessarily lately. You know I mean? You know, this year's crop um, has been middling, I'd say. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a problem. And, and when you draft between 20 and 30 every year, you got to make the most of those draft picks and they just haven't seemed to do it. It's just, it's, that's the real shame of the sharks. Dude, we got a non, uh, hockey question. Joe from Huntington beach is commenting on the dudes on hockey.com thread. And he says, I know most listeners don't care, but what do you think about Mourinho and the Spurs, dude? Let's talk about EPL here. You want me to be honest? Yeah, I want you to be honest. I haven't been paying much attention um, because I can't stand that guy. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't stand him, and um, that whole situation. Like, it, it, I feel like the Spurs are, you know, someone just took the plug out of the bathtub, and that is just going to go straight to hell yeah like the whole thing right down the drain yeah the whole thing's gonna go right down the drain Mourinho is a creep to me I don't like him uh and I think he's 
I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched much to be fair, but, um, I'm, he doesn't make me want to watch. Yeah. You, I've, dude? I've watched some and it's just not, it's not exciting football now. And like it, it like with Pochettino, it seemed more, I don't know. There was something different about the style that made it more interesting to watch. And even though the Spurs have good players, it seems less interesting to me. The 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 method in which they're playing obviously yeah. it doesn't help that they suck. You know, they're not good. They don't suck. They don't suck, dude. They're 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 in the top half of the table. They're they're in the final, you know, sixteen or eight in Champions League. You know, what I mean, like you know, they are not a bad football club, but like they have underperformed this year, and it seems like it's all unraveling now. Harry Kane is basically like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna stay. And like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, great, you know. So, yeah, there's there's seems like a lot of unrest there. Um, yeah, I haven't I, I, I honestly haven't been paying much attention to it before this all went down. I, I kind of lost interest. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the other question from Joe is how did the dudes meet and how did the dudes get into hockey? Dude, you want to tell the story? Hmm. Uh, we met on a beach in Santa Cruz. Uh, we were both, uh, uh, Michael was skinny dipping and, uh, I was, uh, I was making a sand castle and it was weird cause we were six and, uh, <laughs> we met, we met in high school. Yeah. Uh, we met in high school and we be- became friends through choir. Yeah. The performing arts, it brings people together. Ooh, it brings true. people together. Um, we became friends through choir and, um, we were in a, he, not like a glee, like show choir, you know, but like, uh, we were in a choir that traveled quite a bit and, uh, you know, Mike was the only junior in the choir. I was, uh, we were all seniors. We went to Japan. Yep. Uh, who was your roommate when, when you went? Uh, the voice of the podcast. Ah, you and Cal were roommates, uh-huh. huh? The vo- the uh, the announcing voice yeah. of the podcast, who, by the way, yeah, so could, just had yeah, his new- second child. So, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations to dude! The podcast announcer. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, our uh, the I don't know where the hockey came into it though. Like, I was a Sharks fan, not like I am now, but like I remember my dad taking me to games and. I mean, do you remember where the hockey connection kind of started, dude? You you were playing, right? I th- it was play? really weird. I went to a Northern California college, a University of California campus. And for whatever reason, all of the friends I made my freshman year were all into hockey. And so I just started watching hockey. We were That was back when it was like the, the Bud Light, like the, the Fox Puck... The Sunday oh, afternoon yeah. game. These are like the Makarov, Larianov years, right? Oh like yeah, the Sharks like pulling off the the upset, you know, in the playoffs kind of years. Right? It was the mid '90s, and so all of my friends were into hockey. I started playing roller hockey, and then quite a bit later, ice hockey, and and then that was kind of it. And then all of my other fandom kind of subsided. I was a Niners fan and a Oakland A's fan growing up. Um, not so much ever into basketball, but. But once hockey sort of entered my sphere and all my friends in college were into it, I just never really cared about too many other sports after that. And it was just, I was hooked. I was hooked. I went to San Francisco Spiders games. We went to Bulls games. <laughs> we did. We had season tickets. We had season tickets together for several years. Yep. Uh, um, 
and uh, yeah, no, I mean we 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 became rabid fans rather quickly, and then we we started the podcast back in. 2008 2008 and then we've made millions since with all the podcast revenue we made <laughs> that's right thank thanks everybody for your support yeah thanks yeah. for everybody for their support yeah exactly yeah. so that's the story that's how the love affair started and continues we we keep the spark alive you know do we got a, a response from Rob because he was in England and we were asking him why he even supports the sharks I mean there's 31 teams to choose from and he says he was at university studying marine biology, and his main interest was sharks. That's a great reason. That's as wow. good of a reason as I can imagine, honestly. Yeah. And uh, he does have a local hockey team, which I looked up, called the Bracknell Bees, which is in the second tier of English ice hockey, dude. How, wow. where, do you, where do you think that is? I mean... I don't know, but I'm telling you, I would kill for some Bracknell Bees hockey right now. Yeah. I, I would totally watch it. I would totally watch it, too. He do you know what, dude? The, the the thing that I can't wait for is, you know, there's you know rumblings that the, the Chinese Basketball Association is going to start to ramp up here probably in the next couple weeks. I can't wait to watch Shaq and Charles Barkley doing pregame on TNT for the Chinese Basketball <laughs> League. Because you know that that is going to – they're going to put it on ESPN. You know they will. And you know what? I'll freaking watch it. Yeah. I will watch it. Have you been watching any of the uh, – you know, I, th- I know they show the Game 7 versus no. Vegas game and some of these no. other historic no, Sharks games. No, I can't do it. I'm not I, – I, I don't I don't enjoy it as much when I know what the outcome is. No. Yeah, it's just I not the same. I have, no, I have no desire to watch those games. I don't know no, why. No, 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 no. Well, dude, I'll say this, you know, dude, that um, – I don't know if you listened to the 31 Thoughts podcast. It was interesting to hear Elliot Friedman talking uh, this week about um, – you know, he has heard that the NHL is asking teams for their buildings availability through August. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, uh, they are looking at July and August as a possibility of doing however it is that they're going to end the season, which, you know, maybe we can make that, you know, the next question to the listeners is, you know, how do you propose this season ends, you know, if they choose to end it? And, uh, you know, I think that that's a, a great question. And the second question is, how's this going to work with free agency and the draft? You know, um, you know, team players who are free agents, I'm assuming they can't move that back. Yeah. So they're going to be on different teams. So you've got Taylor Hall, you've got, you know, Braden Holpe, you've got, um, other players, Aaron Dell, <laughs> right. the, all the big names could be moving teams in, you know, late June, early July. And then the 2019, 20 season finishes with them on their new teams. Yeah. Is this going to be like an EPL situation where you qualify for champions league with one roster and then the next year you have a totally different roster? Could be. Yeah, I mean, uh, it just, it, it makes the whole thing super funky, you know, and it, 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 there's a lot to talk about with this and I don't know how they'll make it work. I don't know how they make it work for the teams like the sharks who will not be in the playoffs. Like, so what do they do? They just sit around and watch the top 16 teams play. And then a couple weeks later, they start the season all over again. Isn't that a giant advantage for a team like the sharks? It could be like, 
I just, I don't, I can't imagine that they'll do that. I think they, and, and then all the lost revenue for teams like the sharks, the devils, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, the, the Kings, the, these teams that would not be in the playoffs in major markets, you know, I'm curious to hear from people how they think this might go down. So that's the official question. That's the question of the week for the listeners. Um, you know, how is this going to go down and what is an appropriate way of ending this season? I will weigh in next week with listener questions. You can send us other questions not related to that, of course, questions at dudesonhockey.com or you can tweet at us or comment on the blog or whatever you want. But dude, we're, we're still going. We've, uh, we're over 30 minutes here on this podcast and we're still providing really high end, high end content. Uh, yeah. 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 High end content. Yeah. Uh, you should for... see Mike's face when he said that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. High well, end content for the listeners. So, but we'll be back again next week, dude. Because I mean, let's be honest. What the hell else are we gonna do? No. Uh, I may be keeping my social distance from you, dude, but I cannot keep my podcast difference from you. I can't podcast quit you, dude. No, I can't, dude. I can't. See you on the mountain. Okay, go sharks. <laughs> Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.